Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. We know we're going to meet the Lord face to face. The question is, how do you want to meet him? And there's really only one way to meet him that's positive, and that's where it starts with humility and repentance. Our readings today unfold that, and especially the Word of God coming up in the sermon. We'll look at those things. The church service itself is found in your worship folder or on screen, and at this time, because of the opening responses, please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The Word became flesh. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. God is a God of grace for which we give thanks, for we so desperately need his grace. So humbly we confess, O gracious God, I have so often stumbled in the darkness of sin. I have failed to appreciate your grace. I have failed to reflect your goodness. Have mercy on me, O Savior, for I have sinned. Thank you. 
God has forgiven all of your sins, showing the greatest act of grace, Jesus, the promised Savior, came to this earth and took your place. Graciously, he died for you, and graciously, he gives you forgiveness day after day. Thank you, O Savior, for your grace. our hearts, O Lord, to prepare the way for your only Son. By his coming, give us strength in our conflicts and shed light on our path through the darkness of this world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. First lesson from Daniel chapter 4 strong one about humility and repentance. We read, Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You've become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. 
Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now a little aside here, this is an actual condition doctors have diagnosed today is called boanthropy. You can look it up online. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven. Because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The word of the Lord. We continue with Psalm 130.
serves for the basis of the sermon from Acts 3. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Matthew 3. In those, 
those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn.
grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, your fellow believers. Just a couple of weeks ago, on a Sunday morning, after a blessed and busy Sunday, uh, preaching, teaching Bible class, went home maybe about 12.30, ate lunch with the family and was able to sit down with them, catch up from them in the morning and everything they, they uh, enjoyed and people they were able to talk to. And then at the end of lunch when we were going to maybe go into our own separate ways of whatever the agenda was for the afternoon, my, my wife had an oh yeah kind of moment and she turned to me and said, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. The furnace is leaking. Ah. Mine just raced a little bit. It, the furnace isn't that old. It shouldn't be leaking. And this isn't really what I was hoping to do with my afternoon after a busy and blessed Sunday morning. I had other stuff that I was looking to enjoy or take care of. And thought hit me. I wonder if I should just call a repairman right away. But you know, it's, it's Sunday early afternoon, it's probably more expensive to have somebody come on a Sunday afternoon and the first thing the person's going to ask is what's going on with it. So at least the first thing I better do is go assess it and be able to tell somebody on the phone what's, what's wrong with it. So I go downstairs. Sure enough, there's a large puddle behind it. And in one of the cement seams that was cut in by a cement saw, water was going down that seam and it found some cardboard in an area and the cardboard was soaking up all of this water in the back. So get out of there, all the stuff that doesn't need to be there. Clean it up, get the towels, come over and soak up all of the water that's in the back and now I can at least see what, where's the water coming from? Yep, sure enough, steady stream coming right from the back bottom of the furnace. All right, so I peel off the front panels, the front doors on the furnace, set it aside, Water is all in the bottom of it, which then would make sense. Gravity's sending the water to the back of the furnace and it's coming out the back. So I sponge up all of the stuff in the bottom of the furnace. It's dry. And now I can see, huh, there, there's, a, there's a tube here where the water comes out of the furnace. It just needs to go down into the drain. It goes to the side wall of the furnace and then it comes out of the side down into the drain, but it's not getting out of the inside of the furnace, and it's just dripping steadily, filling up the bottom, going out the back. So why is that dripping? I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm studying this, and my wife comes down the steps, and she comes into the furnace area where I am, and she sees what I'm doing, and she comes over, and I describe to her, I said, well, I, I can see now the water's coming from this little tube, that's supposed to drain out, and, and I don't know, and she goes, huh, there's a, there's a broken zip tie right on the ground right there, I bet the zip tie broke right off of that, and all you need is a zip tie. Instantly, I knew she was right. So now I'm feeling about this big, why didn't I see that? Why didn't I figure that out? That wasn't that hard, it, it, it was, how did I miss the zip tie? And then I followed through in my thinking, and I thought, boy, if I really had called a repairman to come out to fix a broken zip tie, I would have really been humiliated. I am so glad I didn't call somebody and have them come out. Extra expense for all of that. Our lesson today from Acts 3 is in the days after Pentecost. And a miracle, a tremendous miracle had happened. A man was healed by Peter and John as they were going to the temple. 
And so a large crowd gathered because this is a man, I believe, who was lame from birth. And so they gathered around to see what had just happened to, to heal this man. And so Peter takes it as an opportunity to preach a sermon. And yet this crowd that had gathered in front of Peter as he's preaching to them, this is a crowd that had sin leaking from every part of their lives. The problem was they didn't even recognize it. They didn't even realize how serious their sin was. And so Peter gets very pointed just before our lesson and lays their sin right before their eyes so that they see what the problem is. Listen to this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. That's a long, serious list of sin that is directly against the Son of God. Um, so is ours. And if Peter was the preacher this morning in place of me, he would say the same thing to you about our list of sin. You know, for instance, I've chosen a murderer instead of Jesus in my life as well. Every single time I harbor hatred against another individual in my heart. Haven't you? Peter said twice to this audience before him, you denied the Holy One. You denied the Son of God. Deny, rejected, uh, said no to. Disavowed. Peter would know a lot about that because just a few weeks earlier, on Good Friday, early, early in the morning, before the rooster crowed three times, Peter denied Jesus three times. What's your daily number in? You know, Jesus in all of this, in the midst of all of this sin, he is no chicken in spite of all of the cowardice of people around him. Instead, you see a leader humbly, persistently go to a cross and offer himself, even though he's innocent, even to death on a cross. Now, if that's not incredible enough, I, I want you to understand who he did that for. For people that were in that crowd. For murderers. For haters. For deniers. For sinners. For people who had this leaking out of their lives. Jesus went to the cross to do this. When you evaluate and stand back and look at the, the message of the word of God about who Jesus is and what he did for sinners... Terrible ones, sinners of all stripes. It is undeniable the love that God has in Jesus Christ for sinners. And it is undeniable the holiness for which he had that he did this even though he was innocent. It's so undeniable even God the Father didn't deny it. He glorified his son and he raised him from the dead for the whole world. And as Peter shares that with his audience, he's actually got a sharp point with that. 
he's saying to that crowd of people at, at the temple area, because God raised this son from the dead, you're not done dealing with him yet. You think you put him to, de to death and that was the end of it? He's back. God raised him from the dead and you will face the living Lord Jesus Christ raised from the grave either in this life from the word of God or in the life to come when you see him face to face. How would you like to have it? Actually, Peter offers a suggestion. And he urges them in this sermon, meet him now. Meet him now with your sin and repent. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I know the term repent is strong. It exposes our sin in its own way and it leads us to see the path we're on is not right. And the problem though is that a lot of people come up with their own fix-it stuff at this point. And they try to say, well, I understand, there are, in people's minds, there are levels of sin, right, Pastor? I mean, there are the big ones, the egregious ones, kind of the middle of the road, and then kind of the white lie ones, the, the lighter ones. And so, you know, there's a whole bunch of this that I can take care of myself. I can find that zip tie. I can, I can go for that great invention of duct tape. I, I, I can figure this out. You know, I know where the towels are. I, I, can, I can go find these in my house. And there are certain things I can do to clean up my own my life, and so maybe I'll take certain ones to the Lord. Maybe I'll take the big ones to the Lord, but I certainly don't need to take them all. I mean, why, why on earth would I bother the repairman? Why would I go to the chief guy on, on all of this? I mean, that's a little bit humiliating. It can be a little bit embarrassing if I'm going to lay everything out before him and talk to him about all of these things. It's a lot. Well, the problem is, if we're not going to take them all of it, and if we're going to pick and choose what we think we need to go to God about, that's not repentance. The term repentance means a change of mind, that I see sin, and that at one time I thought maybe that was smart and wise and maybe good to do, but my mind is now changed and I turn away from that completely. In fact, that's Peter's next word, repent and turn. So I think completely different about that sin, all of it. And it's not just a mental thing. I'm not just thinking different about sin. It's also a heart thing. It's, repentance means a change of heart as well. My mind thinks differently, but I'm not still attached to that sin. It was kind of fun. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, it's boy, I emotionally am disgusted in my heart by this and I'm turning away from that as well. I want nothing to do with that again. And I'm going to strive to avoid that at all costs. And so it's a turning of the head and the heart, a change of the mind and the heart in a turning to the Lord, but it's doing it not because you have to. It's doing it because of the gospel. The gospel invites you to this. And so it's a turning, not just a way to nothing, it's a turning to the Lord. And so it's laying these things to the Lord. Yes, this is my record, Lord. This is where the leaky mess happened. And, and I'm setting it all before you. I admit, Lord, I can't fix this. Any of it, big or small. 
And for that crowd standing before Peter that day, you can't take back a crucifixion. You can't take back a crown of thorns. You can't go back and hit the undo and the delete button and rewrite history. You can't go back and undo the sin that's on your account. I can't either. And so we take that and we lay it before the Lord. I can't fix this, Lord. But I can come to you and apologize for it. All of it. And what Peter did for them then is set out the gospel before them, something they never would have, they wouldn't have known who to turn to. You mean the one we crucified is the very one we go back to? Yeah. And so he sets before them the one God raised from the dead. This is God's fix-it solution. This is the incredible one that God had sent to do this very work, to suffer, to die, to live on your behalf, to go to that cross and to rise from the dead so all of this would come together in the person and work of Jesus Christ for an incredible goal so that your sins would be wiped out. Now that verb in Greek is pretty strong. We could substitute other words in there too for wiped out. We could put in obliterate. That's a dictionary word for wipe out. We could put in destroy so that your sins will be destroyed. We could even put in a little more emphatic one, utterly destroyed. Or how about even one of the strongest verbs in the Bible could be put in here too, blot out. So that your sins may be blotted out and completely gone. You see, that's what happens when we lay these things before the Lord. The Lord lays forgiveness, the work of Jesus Christ on us that he achieved single-handedly. And what do you think the results are going to be? The result is that God fixes the heat. That God takes the pressure off your heart and your soul and your conscience. In fact, that's exactly what Peter said, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You see, where God applies the gospel to a repentant sinner, it changes the entire atmosphere because there's nothing anymore. There's no heat between you and God. There's no tension. He takes away the tension because he applied it completely to Christ on the cross. And the result is peace. The entire atmosphere has changed completely. Now I want to remind you again who this audience was. These are the very people that mobbed together to hand Jesus over for crucifixion. This is the very group that desired Barabbas instead of an innocent man named Jesus. This is the very group that hated Jesus and did their work on Good Friday the way they did. They placed such anguish on the soul of Jesus while he was on and even when he went to the cross. And as Peter preached this sermon, I want you to understand the goal of Jesus was to take the anguish off their soul. The murderers, the haters, the deniers, the rebellers. It's the goal of the gospel to save and love even people like that. And even greater than that, 
so that he may send the Christ or the Messiah, even the Christ. By the preaching of the gospel, Jesus doesn't just tell these people their sins are forgiven. He comes to them personally in the gospel and partners with them and binds himself with them. He doesn't deny the sinner. He doesn't disown the sinner. He makes his home with them. Uh, but the audience is different. Uh, obviously, Peter preached this back then. But the message of Peter today is being preached to an entirely different crowd with very different sins, still against the same Lord. And Jesus today lays that same gospel on you through this message. Your sins are forgiven. No matter what the leak has been, no matter where you've gone. <clears throat> and so Peter invites you and me to repent and turn to God. I, I know this word is a strong word and I know at the beginning of our church services we have a confession of sins and we have an absolution. That's repentance. We're, we're turning away from our sin and we're taking it to the Lord. And then at times of the year like Advent 2 and in the season of Lent we have themes about repentance and taking our sin again to the Lord. I, I mean this is, this is vital for spiritual life. This is the way we want to meet God, addressing what is ours, here's my sin, and letting God be God. This is who he is, our, our loving Savior. But the idea still is, I'm going to stay a sinner with you today, tomorrow, the next day. When I go home, my life is still going to leak. The next day and the next week, I can't change my stripes. Not until Jesus raises me from the dead. And so as sin still creeps and seeps out of our life, I guess the question for you today is, what kind of fix are you going to pursue? What are you going to do with it? Because Peter in the lesson today has just the right guy in mind for you to call on. Amen. Please stand. We join together in confessing our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for prayer. Gracious Lord, you sent your Son into our world to destroy the power of Satan and to restore the human race as your children and heirs. Work in us during this Advent season so that we may rejoice in the coming of our Savior and to long for his coming again. Use the preaching of your holy law to rid us of all delusions that we can gain your love with our own efforts. Move us to realize how hopeless we are because of sin and to feel sorrow for what we have done wrong. Yes, yes. 
lift up our hearts to see the King who comes to save. Reveal to us his willingness to take on our human form and stand in our place. Show us the power he extends in his word and sacraments to make us your children and keep us in the faith. Thrill us with his promise to come and take us to our eternal home to live with you forever. As we live with Christ and trust in him, move us to turn away from sin day after day with the strength your Holy Spirit provides. When we fall, forgive us and renew us to love and serve you in all people. Protect us from the distractions that come at this time of the year. Even in gift-giving and celebrating, keep our hearts focused on Christ and his forgiving love. Move us to share with others the most important gift of this season, the truth about Jesus. Even in busy times, lead us to pray for those whose joy is diminished because of sickness, pain, or loss. Give us opportunities to provide help to those in need. Heavenly Father, we rejoice with Jim and Debbie Van Alstein as they celebrated 35 years of marriage on November 28th. Lord, continue to pour out your blessings on their home and on their marriage. We grieve with Marlene Ressler as she mourns the passing of her husband Galen. Help our sister in every way and by your gospel bring her times of refreshing. Lastly, we lift up Pam Zuberbeer, whose husband, Reverend Mike Zuberbeer from St. Peter in Fond du Lac, suddenly was called home to heaven yesterday. Come to the aid of this family and especially this congregation. Hear us, Lord, as we now pray in silence. Loving Lord, work in us during this Advent season so that our joy may be genuine and may rest in the promises of the King who comes to save.
Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated.
morning, everyone. And a special welcome to guests and visitors. Love having you come. Please do come worship with us again. As far as announcements, just a few with you. This next two, two days from now, Tuesday, uh, at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have a call meeting for the 3K teacher position. So invite you on out. My guess is we're going to meet in the sanctuary. I don't know that for sure, so there will be direction given on that evening. Uh, Linda Hammond, at least uh, after first service, welcome people to go see the nativities and the commons. If you'd like to check those out, I believe she had the lights turned on. Um, I didn't check with her after Bible study, but my guess is feel free to enjoy those if you haven't seen them. A lot of neat ones from around the world. Um, then I'm going to invite forward Corey Schrader and Larry Yeager uh, for an update on building progress and capital campaign. Morning. Morning. Can you feel the excitement?